we are, of course, studying about uh, Satan, and we are talking about his strategies, and we talked about his uh, prisoner of war uh, techniques, and we also talked about his, uh, his uh, political attacks, and then we talked about his frontal attacks, and that's where we are today. But before we actually get into the Scripture tonight, I want to share maybe ten signs that you may be under spiritual attack. Because sometimes people don't recognize what's going on in their lives, and it's so easily that we become deceived. And we don't understand why we feel the way that we feel or why we're experiencing what we're experiencing. So tonight I want to share these with you, and you may want to write them down, you may not. But uh, I just thought about this as I was working on this today. I thought, I need to bring that out. That's just something I thought was really, really important. So the the first thing that that you need to understand if you... uh, are unaware or unsure if you're experiencing a spiritual attack is this. If you're feeling more discouraged than normal, more defeated than normal, more depressed than normal, possibly you're experiencing a spiritual attack. And you may not be aware of it. You may think that it's something else that's going on. But often what we attribute to the flesh is really a spiritual issue. And we need to understand that and be able to combat that. And if we don't understand, then we'll never know how to fight the spiritual battle that Paul talks about in Ephesians chapter 6. The second thing uh, that you might be under spiritual attack is if you have lost your spiritual desire. You just lost your desire for spiritual things. I mean... You've lost your desire to pray. You've lost your desire to read the Bible. You've lost your desire to fellowship with the brethren. You've lost your desire to, to be in the Word and, and uh, communing with the fellow believers. You've lost that. You may be under spiritual attack. If you are experiencing incredible physical fatigue and or malaise, it's possible that you could be under spiritual attack. And when our minds will not shut down, it causes our bodies great harm. And our bodies and our soul, our spirit, we need to be in unison. And when we're not, we experience issues in our life. Fourthly, you might be under spiritual, spiritual attack if you're doubting God's goodness. If you're doubting God's goodness, you may say, well, I'm not sure that God is really good. Because if God were really good, this wouldn't be happening to me. And how many times have you heard people say something like that? Many, many times. You might be under spiritual attack if you constantly have negative and disturbing thought life. If Everything in here is negative and critical and condemnatory, and you have a censorious, critical, evil spirit. Something is going wrong in your spiritual life because Jesus said, "I have come that they have they may have life, and they may have it more abundantly." And you may be under spiritual attack if you are experiencing that. Uh, you may be under spiritual attack if you're thinking about going back into your old life pre-Christian life. You say, well, I remember I didn't have all these problems back then and life seemed to be better back then and now that I've become a Christian, it seems like everything is falling apart in my life. 
You might be under spiritual attack if old wounds from the past are resurfacing. Things that you've given to the Lord, that you've taken them back up. And in your mind, you're replaying them over and over and over. And it's a devastating effect because the fact of the matter is, every single one of us have failed. But when we come to the cross and we ask for forgiveness, leave it there. Don't keep picking it up and carrying it around with you because some people have so many burdens they're carrying around. It's like Santa Claus with his bag of gifts. It's burdensome. And we need to lay it down at the cross and say, Lord, you took it. I'm not taking it back up. You may be experiencing, experiencing spiritual battle if you have this obsession with guilt and shame and condemnation. Because when we are in Christ, we are a new creature. Old things are passed away. Behold, all things become new. And we have now been given freedom, freedom from bondage and sin. And we've been given peace with God. And we have the peace of God. Ninth, you may be experiencing a spiritual attack if you are feeling rejected, lonely, isolated, and those senses are heightened. And you feel like, poor pitiful me, I'm an outcast and no one cares about me. You may be under spiritual attack, number 10. If you're confused over what you believe. Because James says that a double-minded man is unstable in all of his ways. And when we come to Christ, we get in here. He gives us truth. We're not, we don't have this split personality disorder. We know what we believe. We know where we're going. So how do we deal with that? If you're dealing with any of those issues or you know someone else that's dealing with those issues, how do we overcome that? First off, you destroy it by faith. Faith comes by hearing and hearing by the word of God. Without faith, it is impossible to please God. So we destroy it with our faith. Secondly, you destroy it with prayer. Because too often we spend time worrying when we should be spending time praying. Right? You know, it's like the old saying... Worry is like a rocking chair. It gives you something to do, but it doesn't get you anywhere. So we need to come to the place where we're not just replaying the same old tune over and over and over and over and over and over. And you, do, you, you destroy it by resistance. You stand against the wiles of the devil, and having done all, you stand. You stand. So that brings us to Job. <laughs> and if there was ever someone who was experiencing a spiritual attack it was Job and uh, where we're at is uh, we're talking about this frontal attack and we're talking about Job and verses chapter 1 verses 9 through 12 you remember Job you remember his story now there was a day when the sons of God those are angels came to present themselves before the Lord 
And Satan also came with them. And the Lord said to Satan, From where do you come? Satan answered the Lord and said, From going to and fro on the earth, and from walking back and forth on it. Then the Lord said to Satan, Have you considered my servant Job? There is none like him on the earth, a blameless and upright man, one who fears God and shuns evil. Boy, that's a mouthful right there, isn't it? If that could be said about every one of us, wouldn't that be awesome? So Satan answered the Lord and said, Does Job fear God for nothing? (laughs) So the scene is being set. Does Job fear God for nothing? I mean, God, you've just been so good to Job. Of course he's going to be a man who's after your own heart like David. But go to chapter 2, verses 3 through 6. The, it gets really interesting. In Job 2, verse 3 through 6, it said, Then the Lord said to Satan, Have you considered my servant Job? There is none like him on the earth, a blameless and upright man, one who fears God, shuns evil, and still he holds fast to his integrity, although you incited me against him to destroy him without cause. Now, if you know what happened between the verses I read and here, he lost everything. Lost it all. His children, his livestock. So Satan answered the Lord and said, skin for skin, yes, all that a man has, he will give for his life. But stretch out your hand now and touch his bone, his flesh, and he will surely curse you to your face. In other words, inflict him with some medical maladies, and he will curse you. And the Lord said to Satan, Behold, he's in your hand, but spare his life. Now you talk about a direct frontal attack. That's a direct frontal attack. And Job was being hammered and would be hammered over and over and over again. But you know, we know the rest of the story, don't we? Job held his ground. And God gave him much more at the end than he had at the beginning. Let's go to Luke's gospel in chapter 22, verse 31. And of course, you know what's going on here. Uh, It's the Last Supper, and they're all at the table. And Jesus says to Simon, 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 indeed, Satan has asked for you that he may sift you as wheat. And you know what happened, obviously. He went out and he sold the Lord for how many pieces of silver? 30 pieces of silver. I've always said you can tell what a man's character or a woman's character is by what they sell out for. You know, we, we, have a, we need to have a, such a high quality of godliness in our life and desire to be pleasing to Him that we will not sell out for any cost. Because, listen, this life is short. Short. Eternity is long. Things that we do here, one moment after death, it doesn't matter. What you had, because it's somebody else's. 
books are closed at that point. We need to be men and women of character and integrity. In Ephesians chapter 6, verse 16, the Apostle Paul was speaking. And he said, above all, taking the shield of faith with which you will be able to quench all the fiery darts of the wicked one. In other words, that frontal attack's coming, but what you need to do every day when you get up is put on the whole armor of God so you're ready to enter the battle. Because listen to me, when you are in the Christian faith, you are in a battle. You're in a battle. You're in a battle because these choices come at you so fast and you have to make quick decisions. I will not do that. But here's the thing. When you are to make up your mind beforehand that you will not do this, guess what? You won't do it. But if you get to that, that place and you have to debate, do I do this or do I not do this, then you're probably going to fail every time. So make up your mind where you stand and then stand. Regardless of what comes your way. Because... The battle is spiritual. So stand. Also, these frontal attacks come through temptation to sin. Anybody ever been tempted to sin? Anybody here ever not been tempted to sin? (laughs) Probably a better question. We've all been tempted to sin, and we've all sinned and fallen short of the glory of God. Matthew chapter 4, 1 Jesus was led up by the Spirit into the wilderness for the purpose of being tempted by the devil. You know why? Because he was 100% man as well as 100% God. And he had to be tempted just as we are tempted because then he could identify with us when we are tempted in all aspects, yet he was without sin. And he gives us the perfect example. And and remember what he did over and over in chapter 4? Remember what he said over and over? Thus saith the Lord. Thus saith the Lord. You know what he was doing? He's quoting Scripture, Deuteronomy. What we need to do is be so immersed in the Scripture that we can quote it. And I'm going to tell you, people say, well, I don't have time. Let me tell you what you do. When you're going down the road, instead of listening to the radio, there's a Bible app. Get your Bible app. Bring it up, and if, if, if you don't have it where it'll sink through the car, at least you can listen to it like this. Genesis 32. And Jacob went on his way, and the angels of God met him. And the reason I say that, because every single morning that my wife and I come up here to walk, at 5 o'clock, a little after 5, you know what we're doing? We're listening to that as we walk for the 30 minutes. Instead of just us idle chatter or not saying anything we're taking the word in and it, it and today if you don't know the bible it's because you don't want to know the bible because you used to have to sit down and read it but now it can be read to you how many here spend more than an hour in their vehicle per day besides me one two three four. Yeah. man that's 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 good stuff to put on and to listen and, and develop and grow. Secondly, 1 Thessalonians 3. Paul, for this reason, when I could no longer endure it, 
I sent to know your faith. He's talking to the Thessalonians because he was worried about them because he'd been ran out of town after two weeks. And, and he was worried that, that, that tempter would come in, that false teachers would come in and, and lead them astray. I sent to know your faith. I wanted to be sure you were established in your foundation, lest by some means the tempter had tempted you and our labor might be in vain. Because you know what Paul knew? He knew that when you become a Christian, temptations start coming. I mean, immediately they start coming. And it's so easy to be overcome with temptation if, you're not, if you don't have someone that's discipling you, that's helping you grow, helping you develop and becoming what you should be. 1 Corinthians chapter 7, verse 5. Paul talks about marriage. He says, Do not deprive one another except with consent for a time, that you may give yourself to fasting and prayer. And, and what he's saying is, when you're in a marriage relationship, you have responsibilities to one another. And if you don't, if you withhold that responsibility, he says, you need to come together again that Satan does not tempt you because of your lack of self-control. So, in other words, if, 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 if one party says, you know, nope, 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 I'm, I'm just going to dedicate myself to and prayer and fasting and that's it and don't have time for you that other person will start with the roaming eyes so you connect you connect and you stay connected and that's what he's saying there in Acts chapter 5 verse 3 remember the story of Ananias and Sapphira that's a story that scared me to death when I was a kid <laughs> Peter said Ananias why has Satan filled your heart to lie to the Holy Spirit and keep back part of the price of the land for yourself? That frontal attack. You know, and Ananias apparently had said, I'm going to give this much money when I sell this piece of property. But then, after he got the money in his hand, his heart changed. It's like, nah, I'm, I'm going to say I gave it, but I'm going to pocket some of it too. It would have been fine if he had not have made the vow that he was going to do it. And this brought great fear upon the church because Peter said, well, the guys are going to carry you out to the graveyard or standing at the back door. And he fell dead. <laughs> then his wife comes in and does the very same thing. And he said, well, the feet of the guys that just drug your husband out and put him under, they're coming to get you. And down she went. And when I read that as a kid, boy, it scared me. I thought, boy, you better not lie to the Lord. <laughs> you better not say, Lord, I'm going to give you this. And no, and don't. When you say you're going to, you better do it. And I'm, that means anything. Well, I'm not just the money from the sale of something, but, but, but your life, your heart. You give it all to Him. Ephesians 4, 27. It, Paul says after, be angry, do not sin, do not let the sun go down in your wrath. And he said, nor give place to the devil. Because, let me ask you this question. Anybody, any couple here, anybody that's ever been married that's here, you ever gone to bed and married at your spouse? I mean, just be honest. For, just be honest. I, I'm raising my hand. Be honest. Okay, one, thank you. Two, good. Okay, a few more. Yeah. And if you stay, yeah, thank you, Sandy. Thank you. Did you sleep well? No. You faked it, didn't you? I'm asleep, but you're there miserable. 
That's why he says, don't let the sun go down in your wrath. Talk it out, get forgiveness, move on. Because if you don't, you give place to the devil. And guess what? He wants to come in and drive a wedge between you and separate you further and further and further apart. So deal with it and put it behind you. James chapter 3, verse 6. He's taught, James is the most practical book in the Bible. I mean, he was the pastor there at Jerusalem, and he's just preaching sermon after sermon after sermon. He's a half-brother of the Lord, and he says this, and boy, how true this is. The tongue is a fire. You ever, seen, ever met somebody with a sharp tongue? Didn't you just love being around them? A world of iniquity. The tongue is so set among our members that it defiles the whole body and sets on fire the course of nature. And here's the issue. It's set on fire by hell. We need to be careful. 1 Timothy. He says, I desire the younger widows marry. Bear children, manage the house, give no opportunity to the adversary to speak reproachfully, for some have already turned aside after Satan. And he's saying, you know, it, it's, it's, it's better to go ahead and get married than to burn in your desire and make a bad decision. Let's go on down to through persecuting the church. Through persecuting the church. Revelation 12 tells us these words. So the great dragon was cast out, that serpent of old, called the devil and Satan, and here's what he does. He deceives the whole world. And he was cast to the earth, and his angels were cast out with him. Then... I heard a loud voice saying in heaven, Now salvation and strength and the kingdom of our God and the power of His Christ has come. For the accuser of the brethren who accused them before our God day and night has been cast down. Satan's been cast down. And they overcame. Here's, here's how we overcome. They overcame him by the blood of the Lamb, Jesus, and by the word of their testimony, He's my heavenly Father. I trust Him. He saved my soul. I repented of my sins. And they did not love their lives to death. In other words, they didn't turn on Christ when difficulties came. Therefore rejoice, O heavens, and you who dwell in them. Woe to the inhabitants of the earth and sea, for the devil has come down to you, having great wrath, because he knows that he has a short time now. When the dragon saw that he had been cast to the earth, he persecuted the woman who gave birth to the male child. We all know who that is. Jesus. But the woman was given two wings of a great eagle that she might fly into the wilderness to her place where she is nourished for a time and times and half a time from the presence of the serpent. So the serpent spewed water out of his mouth like the flood after the woman that he might cause her to be carried away by the flood. But the earth opened its mouth and swallowed up the flood which the dragon had spewed out of his mouth mouth and the dragon was enraged with the woman and he went to make war with the rest of her offspring who keep the commandments of God and have the testimony of Jesus Christ 
That's our responsibility. The frontal attacks are going to come because we're believers. But we can repel those by putting on the whole armor of God and being prepared and expecting them to come as a church. We expect them. Revelation 2, 10 and 13. Do not fear any of those things which you are about to suffer. Indeed, the devil is about to throw some of you into prison. <laughs> Good friend of mine, he was one of our deacons here. He moved to Georgia. Rick Cowart, many of you know Rick. Rick always said, Brother John, they're going to throw you in jail one day. <laughs> they're going to throw you in jail for preaching the gospel. I don't know. Indeed, the devil is about to throw some of you into prison that you may be tested, and you will have tribulation for ten days. Be faithful unto death, and I will give you the crown of life. Anybody know the name Dietrich Bonhoeffer? My mother, of course. Anybody else? Dietrich Bonhoeffer was put in a Nazi concentration camp. He was a pastor. He wouldn't quit preaching the gospel. And eventually he lost his life. But pastoral friends would visit with him. They'd say, Dietrich, why, don't, why are you in here? And his question to them is, why are you not in here? That's faith. If you ever want to read his book, I've got it if I haven't loaned it out and not received it back. I have a tendency to loan stuff out and I don't know who I loaned it to but it's a great great book the church will be persecuted through the hindering of God's word 1 Thessalonians 2 therefore we wanted to come to you even I Paul, Paul said I wanted to come to you the Thessalonican church Time and again, I wanted to do it over and over and over. But Satan hindered us. Now you say, now, how did Satan hinder them? You know, it's not always through spiritual things. Sometimes it's through people. And people will stop you. And they have been placed in your path is a spiritual obstacle, even though they're a human being. So we need to be cautious. Zechariah 3.1 Then he showed me Joshua the high priest standing before the angel of the Lord and Satan standing at his right hand to do what? To oppose him. To oppose him. I think medieval believers saw Satan in a different light. They really believed in Satan. They really did. And unfortunately, they had a misconception of what he looked like. They had him as a red suit with horns and a pitchfork and a tail. But that's not how he comes to you. Do you know how Satan comes to you? Is an angel of light that he may deceive you. That's how he comes. He's not so foolish to dress up. I don't know how many remember the name Anton LaVey. Anybody remember that name? He died about 1999. He started the Church of Satan in San Francisco. Remember that back in the 60s? 
He'd, he would dress up and he would, he would look like that medieval Satan. But that's not the way he comes. The way he comes is just little bitty things. This looks really good. Try this. Oh, it looks beautiful. Oh, my eyes are open. Small things. Insidious things. Things that lead us astray and cause us great harm. Let's do one more. Let's do one more. Through causing the loss of testimony and power. Huh. Second Corinthians 2.11 Lest Satan should take advantage of us for we are not ignorant of his devices. We know his devices. And here's what he often does. We're not going to look at... You, tonight when you get home, if you have time or just listen to your phone on the way home if you have it on, uh, your Bible on your phone. Listen to Revelation 2 and 3 about the seven churches of, of uh, Asia Minor. Seven churches are mentioned in Revelation 2 and 3. The church at Ephesus, they lost their first love. First love, that means the Lord. That's Jesus. And that church at Ephesus lost their first love. Then the church at Smyrna, they were fearful. Fearful. Then the church of Pergamos, they had wrong doctrine. And the Lord said, this is what I have against you. In the church at Thyatira, immorality. Jezebel was in the church. Not the Old Testament Jezebel, but one like her. Sardis. They were a dying church. Philadelphia. Faithful church. That's the church we need to be. Philadelphia church. And then lastly, the Laodicean church. And you know what their problem was? Luke warm. Two streams flowed down into the city of Laodicea. One was hot water and one was cold water. And they merged there outside of the city, and the water was lukewarm. Now, I don't know about you, but I'm not a big fan of lukewarm water when I take a drink. I like cold water. Hot tea, hot coffee, but cold water. So, keep in mind, you will be attacked, but do not fear. Because greater is he that's within you than he that's within the world. Amen? All right. I think they're about to discharge kids, so we need to beat the rush. Everybody rise, please. All right. Let's go to the Lord in prayer. And uh, Phyllis, would you lead us, please?